1: Hi guys, welcome back, or I should probably say welcome back to myself because today is the first day that I'm officially back on YouTube. You might have noticed that I was absent on YouTube for the last week, and that is because YouTube suspended my channel. Yep, they gave me a strike uh, for what they say is medical disinformation, which is, Absolute horse hockey. <laughs> um, we talked a little earlier in the week on Rumble, a safe place to talk without censorship about why their so-called medical disinformation accusations against me were stupid and wrong. You can go over to Rumble and see that anytime. In fact, that is my subscription ask for you for today. If you don't mind, go to Rumble.com/slash Liz Wheeler and hit that subscribe button. So, if and when YouTube ever dares to do that again, we can stay in touch and you don't miss episodes or wonder where I am. Um, Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show, I'm Liz Wheeler. What I wanna talk about today, I wanna talk about Elon Musk is taking over Twitter. It's official, guys, it's real, it's happening. I don't know if you're anything like me, you wondered when he announced that a couple months ago, what roadblocks he would run into, um, whether it would actually come to fruition, and I feel like it's kinda surreal. It's kind of surreal that Elon Musk has actually purchased Twitter. That this place that we love and we hate might actually be restored to a marketplace of ideas in the political sphere. It's really, really exciting. So I wanna talk about that in a little bit more depth and what it means. It's not just, oh, Elon Musk owning the libs in the way only a billionaire can. This is really significant to our society. I wanna talk about that. I also wanna talk about Project Veritas. Their new release from an FBI whistleblower is breathtaking, as we've come to expect from Jane O'Keefe and his crew. Their latest investigation shows that the FBI is targeting you and me, again, shocker. And I wanna talk about how that impacts or how this will impact the 2022 midterm elections. I also wanna talk about PayPal. Let me tell you, if you still have money in PayPal, get it out of there. Get it out of there before PayPal steals it from you for the crime of being a conservative, being a Christian. Really horrendous what PayPal has done. I wanna talk about that. And then I wanna talk about how everything that I just mentioned, Elon Musk, Project Veritas, the FBI, midterm elections, and PayPal all tie together. So let's get to it. Okay guys, I wanna to talk to you first about what I like about Field of Greens. So back in the day, people grew what they ate. I'm talking fresh vegetables and fruits. That was the core of people's diets. It's, it's what they ate. But as Americans have become busier, now we eat pre-made, processed fast food. It's, it's the easy stuff, that's why we eat it, but it's not very healthy. It's definitely not the six cups of veggies and fruits recommended every day. So I wanna tell you today about Field of Greens. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. This is what we need to stay healthy in a world where we're maybe too busy to grow our own food. Field of Greens works fast. You'll have more energy, you'll look and feel healthier, and it can even help you lose weight. In fact, next time you're at the doctor and they compare your old lab work to your new lab work, I bet the doc will tell you that you crushed it, and you can thank Field of Greens. Join me and take Field of Greens, and to help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order, And that's not all. I got you another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. Just visit fieldofgreens.com and use my promo code Liz. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Liz. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code Liz. You'll be glad you did.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Okay, before we get into the Elon Musk thing, I have a little bit of an addendum to yesterday's episode. Yesterday we talked about the new prime minister of the UK, Rishi Sunak, and the fact that he's a freak, tied to the World Economic Forum, tied to, he advocates for essentially a surveillance state. He advocates for central bank digital currency, which is cryptocurrency controlled by elitists like Justin Trudeau. Um, And we talked about his financial conflict of interest, After we filmed that episode, I was still thinking about this and I realized, I found another insane conflict of interest that actually rounds out Rishi Sunak's entire character. So I wanted to add that little addendum um, today to yesterday's episode. Here it is. Rishi Sunak refused a couple of years ago to disclose whether or not he personally would profit from Moderna's mRNA COVID vaccine. This is when he was he, he was serving already in the in UK government. He wasn't the prime minister, but remember, Moderna has only ever brought one product to market. This company as a whole, the only product that they have is the mRNA COVID vaccine. Rishi Sunak, and I want to read this directly from The Guardian, they say, Sunak was a founding partner of Thelim Partners a major investor in Moderna and one of the executives managing its U.S. office. He left the firm in 2013, returning to the U.K. to pursue his political career. It's not known whether the chancellor retained any investment in the Thalim fund after leaving because Thalim is a registered entity in the Cayman Islands, a tax haven which does not make company records public. The Guardian writes, ordinarily a partner in a hedge fund would own a stake in the management company and have money invested in its fund. A year ago, Sunat declared in the list of ministers' interests that he was the beneficiary of a blind trust. The contents of the trust have not been disclosed to the public. Stock market filings show that Thalim has a $500 million investment in Moderna, which accounts for around 20% of all the money it manages, about $2.5 billion. I read that and I was like, what? What? Hello, British people. Do you understand what this means? The government of the United Kingdom has purchased literally billions of doses of the Moderna vaccine. What if the person who is now the prime minister of the government of the United Kingdom is continuing to purchase vaccines that he personally profits from? Even if it's in a blind trust, I don't care. I mean, holy, 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 oh my word. The corruption of this it rounds out everything we talked about yesterday, right? How he he essentially wants this global elite to control everything. He praises the war, he praises continuing the war in Ukraine. He praises the vaccine mandates and the rollout of the vaccines, I should say in the United Kingdom. He's tied to the World Economic Forum. He wants to reshape the economy into a stakeholder economy, Klaus Schwab's version of this, and he very possibly profits off of the Moderna vaccine that the UK government that he's now administering purchases. This is like corruption at a level that's hard to even describe, except of course, think about it from this perspective. Here in the United States, the Senate Committee on Health issued a report saying that they believe that COVID-19, the virus, SARS-CoV-2, actually leaked from a lab. So my first reaction to seeing this headline was, yeah, no kidding, like two years behind US Congress. This is what their report says. Based on the analysis of the publicly available information, it appears reasonable to conclude that the COVID-19 pandemic was more likely than not the result of a research-related incident." (laughs) Yes, thank you for that, Senate Committee on Health. Thank you for that revelation. But zooming out here for a second, this is intricately tied to Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister of the UK's investment in Moderna. Because think about this, the US government gave our taxpayer money to EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, that gave that money, our money, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to conduct gain-of-function research that Fauci lied about. He claimed it wasn't gain-of-function research, but we know he knows it was gain-of-function research to juice up viruses. From that Wuhan Institute of Virology, this virus leaked. Whether or not they had been tampering with it, well, that's yet to be determined, but what do you think? Do you think it had been tampered with, or do you think that this was a wildly occurring virus? I certainly know what I think. We paid for that, our government paid for that, and now the United States, or the United Kingdom's prime minister is profiting, these elitists are profiting over the so-called cure for the virus that they paid to create. This is like sci-fi level stuff. This is nasty, weird, weird level stuff. But a little addendum to yesterday's show. If you didn't watch yesterday's show, go back, listen to— I know Rishi Sunak claims to be a conservative. He's part of the conservative party. He is no such thing. He has a really, really shady background. Go and take a listen to that if you haven't already. Okay, Elon Musk. Let's talk about Elon Musk. Elon Musk issued a statement to Twitter advertisers— after he, after he on yesterday's show, we watched that video of Elon Musk walking into Twitter headquarters carrying the kitchen, carrying the kitchen sink. He said, uh, "Entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in." Haha, <laughs> funny dad pun. And the day after, he issued a statement to the advertisers that are an integral part of Twitter, actually talking about why he wanted to acquire Twitter. Because there's been a lot of speculation about the why behind what he's done, but he's never actually said in long form why he's doing what he's doing. So I want to read that with you right now. Elon said, I wanted to reach out personally to share my motivation in acquiring Twitter. There has been much speculation about why I bought Twitter and what I think about advertising. Most of it has been wrong. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. There is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right wing and far left-wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide our society. Elon says, in the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has fueled and catered to those polarized extremes, as they believe that is what brings in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. That is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try to help humanity whom I love And I do so with humility, recognizing that failure in pursuing this goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. In addition to adhering to the laws of our land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences, just as you can choose, for example, to see movies or play video games ranging from all ages to mature. I also very much believe, he said, that advertising, when done right, can delight, entertain, and inform you. It can show you a service or product or medical treatment that you never knew existed, but is right for you. For this to be true, it is essential to show Twitter users advertising that is as relevant as possible to their needs. Low-relevancy ads are spam, and highly relevant ads are actually content. Fundamentally, Twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform in the world that strengthens your brand and grows your Enterprise. To everyone who has partnered with us, I thank you. Let us build something extraordinary together. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of get the chills when I read that. Because Elon Musk, he's not conservative. He's not right-wing. But he understands that it's not just a matter of conservatives feeling unwelcome or conservatives being censored and that's personally annoying or liberal employees at Twitter deliberately for personal reasons trying to silence conservatives and views that they don't like. He understands that this is much bigger than you and I. That this is actually censorship and cancel culture, which is what we're seeing play out on Twitter right now, is actually a fundamental threat to our society. And he identifies actually one specific thing that he wants to bring back to Twitter where the real value of a public square digital forum lies. And I want to talk about that in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about beam organics. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? And that if you sleep less than six to seven hours per night, it's actually linked to reduced white blood cell count. White blood cells are important. They protect your body against illness and disease. Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important. A better tomorrow starts tonight. Let me introduce you to Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today, you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural, sleep-promoting, premium ingredients, triple lab tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. In fact, you know I'm a numbers gal, 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. All you do, you just mix Beam Dream into hot water and milk, you stir, and you enjoy 30 minutes before bedtime. If you don't like it, get your money back, guaranteed. For a limited time, get $20 off when you go to beamorganics.com slash Liz and use code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M slash Liz and use code Liz for $20 off. Beamorganics.com slash Liz, promo code Liz. So one of the things that Elon Musk mentions specifically as being critically important on Twitter if Twitter is to be this digital public forum is investigative journalism. Individuals who are not tied to the corporate media, the so-called mainstream outlets, who report important stories, who expose corruption, and who hold entities, whether it's politicians or corporations, accountable. You and I can probably think of any number of these people, from libs of TikTok to Christopher Rufo to Project Veritas. Now, I don't need to introduce you to Project Veritas. You, I'm sure, are familiar with Project Veritas. It's James O'Keefe's investigative journalism operation. They conduct the um, the undercover camera stings of influential people, whether these are employees of Twitter, whether they are campaign staff, whether they are politicians themselves, whatever whatever it may be, people who are in positions of power and abusing that power, James O'Keefe sends his investigative journalists in for honest conversations, records, uh, secretly records these conversations and then airs them. This is undercover journalism at its finest. Well, Project Veritas is currently banned on Twitter. James O'Keefe is likewise banned on Twitter. Most of James O'Keefe's content, his staff has also been banned on on Twitter. His content is unwelcome on Twitter under the, um, well, I, I guess we can call it the previous administrators of Twitter now that Elon Musk owns it, now that Elon is the current administrator. But Project Veritas is a perfect example of this. And what Project Veritas released just this week was FBI whistleblower documents. A whistleblower at the FBI came to Project Veritas and said, listen, I have something that you're gonna wanna see. I have proof that the FBI is targeting conservatives in the lead up to the 2022 midterm elections, specifically surrounding the midterm elections, and this whistleblower gave to James O'Keefe a picture of an internal FBI document. Now, this, this document is a handout at the FBI telling agents how to spot election crimes leading up to the midterm elections on November 8th. And you can see this on your screen right now. You can see that there are a number of categories of crimes, some of which are valid. The first one is campaign finance uh, law violations. That's valid. if If you go down to the third one, there's election influence, election interference. There's voter fraud, ballot fraud, voter intimidation, voter suppression. Those are all very valid crimes that perhaps the FBI would do well to investigate a little more closely after some of the the evidence that we've seen in previous elections of usually left-wing activists or Democrats engaging in these crimes. But if you look at the second category and the one, two, three, four, the fifth category, you will see misinformation and disinformation listed. And how does the FBI in this internal document describe disinformation? They say false or inaccurate information intended to mislead others. Disinformation campaigns on social media are used to deliberately confuse, trick, or upset the public. Misinformation is defined as false or misleading information spread mistakenly or unintentionally. So my first question here is who exactly is the arbiter of truth? Who determines what is true and what is not. I understand that there's objective truth, but there's also opinion. There's also a divergence of worldview that is at play in our midterm elections. Let's use abortion as an example and transgenderism as an example. In the abortion debate, Pro-lifers say, well, life begins at conception. Biologically, a new human life is is formed at the moment that an egg fuses with a sperm and becomes, you know, a unique DNA, a unique person. The pro-abortion side says a baby is not a baby, not a unique human being from the moment of conception, but only when the mother desires that child. So who determines which is true and which is not? Well, the FBI? The same FBI that came after Trump? Same FBI that's raiding pro-lifers? I don't think so. What about the transgender issue? You and I understand that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, but the left thinks that a boy can be a girl if he wants to be a girl and a girl can be a boy if she feels like a boy. So who's the arbiter of truth? Who determines what's, what's disinformation or misinformation and, and the intention behind it? This is really scary stuff. This is like authoritarian type stuff. And misinformation that you you mistakenly or unintentionally spread false information, that can constitute an election crime. So basically, If you post a post on Twitter and you're mistaken about a hot button issue, or not even mistaken, you say something that the left disagrees with your definition of the word, that could cause an FBI agent to raid your home. Is that what I'm seeing here? This kind of corruption, let me just tell you, this kind of corruption is distasteful and off-putting to everyone. There might be a very fringe minority on the left who want the FBI to raid the home of pro-lifers, but most people don't. Most normal people, even normal Democrats, don't want that. They think that's an abuse of power. The reason they don't care about that is because they don't know about it. The reason they don't know about it is because on platforms like Twitter, where previously investigative journalists thrived, those investigative journalists have been silenced and censored and canceled so that information is stifled and people don't hear about it. The mainstream media, of course, the corporate media won't, wouldn't touch this. But this, this is one of the most important parts of what Elon Musk is doing here, is he understands that investigative journalism, independent journalists are incredibly powerful, perhaps the most powerful people in our entire country. Again, think of libs of TikTok. Do you think the vast majority of people in our country would believe that drag queen story hours were happening in the library near you? That kindergartners at your local elementary school are being indoctrinated into queer theory if she hadn't posted video after video after video after video of these groomer teachers grooming your children, admitting that they groom your children? I would argue that no, they wouldn't. Now we get to PayPal. PayPal is another example of this. PayPal, if you have money in PayPal, I, I give you full permission, you hit the pause button right now on YouTube, you hit the pause button right now on Apple, you hit the pause button on Spotify, you hit the pause button on Rumble, you hit the pause button on Local, wherever you're listening, and you go get your money out of PayPal. Trust me, get your money out of PayPal. A couple weeks ago, a leaked document from PayPal set the internet ablaze because this leaked document was an updated user agreement, the terms of service for YouTube, or for PayPal, in which PayPal reserved the right to fine you $2,500, to remove $2,500 from your account, just siphon it out, if you were engaging in misinformation or disinformation-related activities. The outcry was so loud that PayPal said, "No, no, 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 no! You're, you're, you, you're not, you're not correct. You've made a mistake. We've made a mistake. We never meant to publish these. These, these are not our terms of service. Like this was just some internal document that was discussed, but it's not, it's not real." And a lot of conservatives were like, "Uh huh, sure." And a lot of conservatives left PayPal. A lot of people were like, "Okay, well maybe PayPal's being held accountable. Let's just see how this plays out." Well, fast forward two weeks, and PayPal actually added this to their real terms of service. No denying this corruption now. They actually say, you can see this on the screen, they show you can see their terms of service, and then you can see what they define as bad behavior. So if you're engaging in let's say, political activism. Maybe you have a consulting firm. Maybe you work for a campaign. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe you're a right-wing news outlet and entertainment. I don't know. You could do any number of things. If you articulate anything related to transgenderism, you articulate anything related to abortion, you articulate anything related to border security, illegal immigration, any of the left's hot-button issues that they claim make the right for wanting a secure border, wanting to protect life, wanting to protect boys and girls, little boys and girls, they would deem that as intolerant and discriminatory, and they would drain your PayPal account of your money. It's in the PayPal terms of service. And this is not a government entity, right? PayPal, it's a private business. How do you hold them accountable? You hold them accountable by independent journalists, investigative journalists, blasting this story to kingdom come, circulating the story so that the people that use PayPal, not just, a, not just a minority of people who are very highly tuned into politics and hear about this stuff so that everybody hears about this. Because it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat voter or Republican voter, the only people that support these kind of policies are very, very far leftists. The elitists who want to control us, the politicians who want to control us, and the crazy Marxists who support them. But the vast majority of voters aren't crazy Marxists, even voters on the left. But without a public square, a digital forum that serves as a public square, like Twitter under Elon will be, this kind of story just falls to the wayside. It's left on the cutting room floor. The mainstream media is not going to cover it. It has to be covered by you and by me. We understand what the left wants for us. We understand that this is not a coincidence. This is not an an isolated incident of one company PayPal targeting us or one FBI agent being a bad apple going after a conservative. No, we understand that this is a systemic worldview from the left. They hate us. They have labeled us as extremists. They don't want us to be able to participate in society. And again, this is not an inference that I am drawing. We can see this happening before our very eyes, and we're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna talk to you about Upside. Upside is a great new app that I've been using, and I I wanna share it with you, because we've all been cringing, right, at the gas pump or you know, groaning when we get that eye-popping check after eating out at our favorite restaurant, because inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. It really hurts. That's why I actually started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas or buys groceries or dines out, so, you know, all of us. With every purchase, I'm actually earning cash back thanks to Upside. And and by the way, it's not too good to be true. I've used it, it works. To get started, all you have to do is download the free Upside app, and yes, it's free. Use my promo code, Liz5, and you can get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Here's how it works. You claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You just check in at the business, you pay as usual at the business with a credit or debit card, and then you get paid by Upside. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. It's a pretty good deal. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week, so download the free Upside app and use promo code LIZ5 to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more if you use my promo code LIZ5. But first, download the free Upside app. Okay, so Congresswoman Myra Flores, from the state of Texas is a Republican Latina Congresswoman, and she has been booted from the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, which is kind of laughable because she's Hispanic, she's Latina, I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say. I don't know if you can be like very, very Latina or very, very Hispanic. There's no superlative that you can add to that. She is Hispanic, she is Latina. That should be the only barrier to entry to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. But the Democrats in charge of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus have uh, determined that she is not politically a Hispanic. She does not politically align with what they believe a Hispanic woman should, uh, should be. And so they have kicked her out of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus because she is a Republican. That is the only reason, because she is a Republican. She had the most hilarious response, which I wanna read just because it made me laugh. She tweeted, my thoughts after the rejection by the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, maybe I'm not the right type of taco. <laughs> I read that and I thought, oh, well, that's hilarious. Yes, that's not only witty, but it also shows that the, that the Democrats play identity politics. They view Hispanic people, Latino people, as, as this, this, this unit, this monolithic unit that all has to think the same based on their, their heritage or the color of their skin, it's so insulting. This is what the left thinks of us, though. This is not an isolated incident. This is how the left wants us to be treated. If you have a certain color skin or a certain ethnic background, then they do not want you to be included in your ethnic background, in groups that represent your ethnic background if you happen to be Republican. This is, this is social ostracization. This is, this is, they're trying to force groupthink on you. They're stereotyping you. This is insulting. So we see that based on the color of our skin. We see PayPal based on our political affiliation. We see the FBI weaponized against us based on our dissent against Democrat candidates. This is, I mean, this is all stuff that has happened just in the space of the past two days. And so, of course, that means that there's a million other examples that fit this bill, but this is why it's so important. It's monumental what Elon Musk is doing by buying Twitter. And by recognizing that the value of Twitter as a digital public square lies in the independent journalists conducting investigative pieces that are ignored by the corporate media. Because all of these different elements are corruption, right? The FBI is corrupt. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus is corrupt. PayPal is corrupt with this poisonous ideology of Marxism that, that plays out through their identity politics. And most people in our country don't want that. Most Democrats don't want that. Most Republicans don't want that. Most liberals, most conservatives, unless they're elected officials, don't want that. And so the old adage that sunlight is the best disinfectant is actually the case here. It's, it's, the more that we can talk about this, the more we can circulate these stories, the more likely it is that these institutions will feel pressured not to behave in a bad way. Also, also, and th- this is zooming out even further, there have been a lot of alternative infrastructure that have been built in the past few years as the left has become to censor and cancel and try to ostracize people whose views they don't want you to hear. And that's a good thing to build this alternative infrastructure. It's a bulwark. It's it's the way that we, it's a bulwark against being, you know, completely canceled. It's the way that we hedge our bets. I do this too. Most conservatives do. It's the way that we hedge our bets against being told that we're not allowed to believe what we believe and we're not allowed to say what we believe, we're not allowed to speak the truth, being told that we're hateful and racist, and that's fine. But at the same time, what that does when we have conservative social media and liberal social media, or conservative banks and liberal banks, is it creates a segregated society. And we shouldn't want a segregated society. We shouldn't have Republican restaurants and Democrat restaurants, Republican banking institutions and Democrat banking institutions, Republican social media platforms and Democrat social media platforms. We shouldn't want to live like that. We are one country and one people, and the one people, we can be made up of very, very different viewpoints, but we shouldn't want to be segregated in every aspect of our lives from people who disagree with us. And so it's this conundrum a little bit of building these alternative this alternative economy to protect ourselves from being canceled while also understanding that truly the solution to the problem isn't just building the alternative infrastructure. The solution to the problem is taking over the existing infrastructure that's problematic. And that is what Elon Musk is doing. Elon Musk is maybe the first to do this in a significant way. To say, look, Twitter is and will be the largest platform for political speech online in our country, the most powerful online platform for political speech in our country. And right now, it's unfair. Right now, it's unjust. Right now, it's tyrannical. And sure, you can build alternatives, that's fine. It gives people who've already been canceled a voice. But truthfully, we should take Twitter and we should fix it. And that's the most powerful thing that you can possibly do to fight back in this culture war. And Elon Musk is doing it. All right, now it's time for our bananas video of the day. And let's just say this one is a real doozy. Let's talk about dating preferences.
0: This video was so good, you must watch it. And I want to branch off and talk about how it relates to fat phobia and dating. A lot of times when people are asked, why don't you date fat people, trans people, people of color, whatever, they will say, it's just a preference, I'm just not attracted to them, I can't make myself be attracted to someone I'm just not attracted to. The implication here being that preferences are innate, unchanging, and completely independent of any outside factors or societal norms. And therefore, that they are inherently unproblematic. Like it's not fat phobia. it's just who I am, I can't help it. But I think it's actually a lot more complicated than that. Our desires are not immune to social conditioning. Although, of course, you can't change your sexual orientation, when we see a certain type of body glorified, praised, and labeled as desirable in media from the time that we can even process those messages, it's not going to not have an impact on us. And the fact is, at least anecdotally, lots of fat people report being desired by many people but the piece that isn't there is the social acceptance. And again, that's also true for other marginalized identities. Maybe you are sexually attracted to fat people, but you can't see yourself in a romantic relationship with one because you've never seen that replicated in media. Or maybe you love a fat person, but you're too afraid of what your friends and family would say if you introduced them. Or you're too afraid of what it would say about you to be with someone who is lower on the desirability totem pole.
1: Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. So she says that you can't change your sexual orientation. You can't change who you're attracted to. But she also says if you're not attracted to morbidly obese people, then you are the problem. Society has created you and your attraction and you should change your attraction. <laughs> These people are too much. Absolutely too much. Um you can't make yourself attracted to people that you're not attracted to. The logical conclusion of what she's saying because remember she's not just talking about morbidly obese people here she actually included trans people and people of color so let's let's just focus on the trans people for just a second the logical conclusion of what this crazy woman is saying is that if you say you're a man if you are not attracted to a another biological man who is simply identifies and dresses like a woman then That is a problematic lack of attraction by you, created by society. You're perhaps transphobic, and you really should be attracted to this person because this crazy woman says that you should be attracted to another man who says he's a woman and that it's a real woman. The logical conclusion of this is absolutely bananas, which is why it's the bananas video of the day. Also, also, morbid obesity is really, really unhealthy. So there is this like instinctual element of human nature that finds morbid obesity less sexually attractive than a healthy body. doesn't. That's not a commentary on the dignity of people who suffer from obesity. It's not a commentary on the fact that we should show people who are obese respect, of course not, but it is just a biological element, sort of an evolutionary element that uh, we recognize that m- being morbidly obese is incredibly unhealthy. But, you know, she's not interested in the truth. She's just interested in pretending she's a victim. That is the Bananas video of the day. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?